Hey, it's Mark Mason with Hope Signals. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Hope Signals is another ministry of Life on the Verge Ministries. And if you haven't checked out our website, lifeontheverge.com, or follow us on Facebook, uh, you can find us. Our page is Life on the Verge. Our music can be found at theplunders.com. And uh, we tour about eight months out of the year going prison to prison and putting on concerts and sharing our testimony and encouraging the men and women that are incarcerated. Sometimes we refer to them as the incarcerated church. Our ministry seeks to entertain the crowd, edify the church, and evangelize the lost. That's what we do. So if you'd like to learn more about that, you can check that out at lifeontheverse.com or theplunders.com. Okay, so this might be a really good podcast today because I'm really tired. I was up all night long awaiting the birth of my grandson, Joa Dutch Mason. Um, my son, Matt, was the last Mason in our family line. Now there's a new kid in town. He was born about four o'clock this morning, I think. And we were up on and off all night long waiting for the word, and we finally got it. So I'm really tired. And sometimes when I'm really tired, um, God comes out more, more clearly than my personal opinion. So hopefully, I have my weakness, he'll be strong today, and I'll say something that really helps you in the area of decision-making. You know, we've been doing this series, 3D Living. Uh, this is part three of that series. We talked about discipline. And we talked about diligence. And now we're going to talk about decision-making. And this is a huge one because decisions can really make or break our life. And uh, especially sometimes I think we don't give enough credence to micro-decisions that we make all day, every day. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we'll talk about macro decisions, those big decisions like, you know, who am I going to marry? Will I buy this house? Will I take this step in my career? Uh, but let's talk about the micro decisions for a second first. Little ones, you know, like what will I wear? Um, you might think that that's no big deal. But if you're a sloppy dresser, I mean, that really kind of presents... Now, now, trust me, I'm not putting any guilt on anybody. I'm sitting here in a pair of athletic shorts and a t-shirt. But... You know, if you gauge what I'm walking into, how you how you want to present yourself. So there's a little, that's a micro decision. What am I going to wear today? It can that can influence how you feel throughout the day, can it? What will I eat for breakfast? What will I eat for lunch or dinner or snacks? What will I do with my time today? How much TV will I watch? How much time will I spend on my phone? Darren Hardy has a great book called The Compound Effect. I suggest you read it. He quotes, "Your life is the product of your moment to moment." choices. You see, I don't gain weight because I ate a cookie. I gain weight because I ate cookies over and over and over. I made bad micro decisions on what I was putting into my body, and it causes me to gain weight. When we think about trying to achieve our goals, man, one of the biggest robbers of our time today is our phone, isn't it? It gets me too often. We need social media uh, and email. That's how we interact, and, and our ministry really relies on that for as a communication tool. But I can fall down that rabbit hole of just scrolling and surfing and reading the news. And my solution there, and I suggest to you, is is I have much more productive productive days if I make an appointment with my phone. If I make an appointment with my social media, I say, okay, after I do this, this, and this, somewhere around ten o'clock in the morning. Then I'll take a quick look at my email. 
I'll take a quick look at my social media, and then I'm back on my goals. And then later in the afternoon, maybe I'll look again, that kind of thing. You know, we've got this screen time monitor today, so we can see how much, how those micro choices are adding up and robbing us of the precious time that we could be spending on more productive things. Uh, Darren Hardy says in his book, all winners are trackers. In other words, keep track of uh, what what we're doing with our time, those micro decisions. Um, he goes on to say in that book, this is a great, <clears throat> great quote. When most people set out to achieve new goals, they ask, okay, I have a goal. Now, what do I need to get it? Or what do I need to do to get it? It's not a bad question, but it's not the first question that needs to be addressed either. The question we should be asking ourselves is, who do I need to become? He goes on to quote Jim Rohn as saying, if you want to have more, you have to become more. Success is not something you pursue. What you pursue will elude you. It can be like trying to chase butterflies. Success is something you attract by the person you become. Man, that's powerful. Success is something you attract by the person you become. And those micro decisions shape us and who we become. Our mindsets, our attitudes, uh, you know, it affects our emotions and, of course, our physical health. So micro decisions can make or break us in the long run, and they're really easy to, to, you know, to get off track. But a huge key to success and productivity and impact and prosperity in life is to make better micro decisions. Therefore, we've got to analyze and track where is my time going? Where is my money going? What kind of choices am I making? Are they getting me to my goal or are they taking me away from it? Your, your quality of life is determined by the choices that, that we make. Your choices, the choices that you make are influenced by the voices that you're listening to. Who do you spend time with? What's occupying real estate in your brain? I, I, I heard a preacher say this Sunday, I took my mom to church and the preacher said something like, our brains were not designed to handle the 24-7, 365 news cycle and process the opinions, trials, and boasting of thousands of people through social media. Man, that clutters my head up. I, I've allowed it too often to get in the way and rob me. And those are all little micro decisions that cause that to happen. You know, you want to get your day off to a bad start, just open up your news app. Or if you, I don't even have any news apps on my phone, but I'll go to the websites. And there's nothing wrong with reading the news, but man, really, okay, some sites aren't news. It's just crime and weather and politics. And what it's, it's not what happened, it's their opinion about what happened or what they think's going to happen. And you absorb a lot of that stuff and it can set your whole day off. That one micro decision to check your phone and go to that, even opening your email. If your goal, for example, I have better days if I get up and I get on my game, whatever it is, my goals for that day, I, before I ever open my email, before I ever open social media. I go on and on about that. But who's occupying real estate in your brain? You know, does this person or do these people deserve that precious space on your hard drive, so to speak? In Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. 
The New Living Translation says it determines the course of your life. So we've got to guard our heart. That word heart in the Hebrew means your inner man, your mind, and your will. Your mind, that's huge. We've got to make better micro choices throughout the day. So here are some practical applications, okay? The first thing is we need to meditate on the Word of God. We really do. First thing in the morning, you know, if you don't open your Bible first thing, let that be the first thing. And, and you know, if you don't have a reading plan, then then go to the Proverbs or the Psalms and spend some time. If you, if you can only spend five or ten minutes, at least that. If you can spend a half hour, then do that. But, and, and enjoy solitude. Don't just read it, but meditate on it. Think about it for a minute. Study it. There's plenty of apps out there. I use BibleHub.com. Uh, again, it's dangerous. Sometimes I don't even pick up my phone, um, so I can't look that stuff up. Uh, but I just sit there and I, I read that word and I, I just think about it. And then I try to apply it to my life. And I just encourage you to let the Word of God dwell richly in you. You know, the other day, um, I mean, I think that's why we get Revelation, man. The other day, Sunday, okay? Now, I am by nature, by sinful nature, uh, full of selfish ambition, all right? My flesh is so selfish, and at least, praise God, I recognize it. Um, I often fall to it, but on Sunday, I traveled over. To, I'm not boasting here. I'm just letting you know. If, if anything, I'm, I'm going to demean myself a little bit. I'm, I'm driving down to Virginia Beach from, from where I live in Midlothian, Chesterfield County, outside of Richmond, Virginia, which is a little over two hours. I'm getting up on Sunday morning. I'm driving down there for the express purpose to take my mom to church. Now, and, and then afterwards, I was going to clean her carpets and do some other work around her house or her apartment. She lives alone. Uh, she doesn't drive. And the unfortunate thing is there are plenty of other relatives that live close by, but uh, no one will take her to church. And so obviously there's part of me that's angry at that. But I, I always got to go, never mind me being frustrated with somebody else. They got their own trials, their own challenges in life. I don't know what they're going through. How about what am I doing? Okay, so I point the finger back at me. What am I doing? Is there any reason I can't drive down there other than the inconvenience of it? that I can't drive down there, other than the crucifying of my selfish ambition, I can't drive down there. Now, what it produced, and I always know this, okay, that if I will nail myself, my flesh, to the cross and do the thing that the Holy Spirit is putting on my heart to do, God's going to see, he's going he's to let me see something. And so on the drive down there, I get bored fast, I drive a lot, and, uh, and you know, I'll poke around on the radio. I'll listen to podcasts, you know, with my Bluetooth or something. And I decided, you know what? I need some solitude. So I'm driving this old, so familiar path down I-64. I'm just talking to God. I listened to a little bit of music. Then I said, you know what? I'm going to turn that off. I'm just going to commune with God for a little bit. I'm going to praise Him in my heart. I'm going to listen. And and I, I realized, you know, that, that what I was doing is I was letting love, love for my mom, govern uh, my decision that day. And, and it came to my real, you know, to my mind, well, I, I realized that if I would let love govern my decisions, then there'll be good decisions. Now, this happened from meditating and time of solitude with the Lord on a drive. 
And, and this is huge, by the way, a huge, uh, whether it's a micro or a macro decision, if I'll let love govern that decision, it's going to be a good decision. Many of us, if not most of us, still live behind fig leaves, don't we? And what I mean by that is that we live with a fear that one day it's just going to all come crashing down. One day we'll expose, be exposed for the fraud we really are. We don't measure up and the whole world is going to know it. If you're like me, like I walk around my house and I see all these things that need to be done, you know, around the house, my cars, things that need to be done, all this stuff, and I can't get it all right. And one day I'm just going to be revealed for the weak frail human being that I am, that I'm not what everybody thought I was, you know. And then there's those personal struggles, those habitual sins that we all fight for our whole lives, right? And maybe you don't deal with this, but a lot of people do, and especially men, but I think women too, deal with this fear. We're living behind a fig leaf, you know, and and some, and at least if we walk with the Lord, you know, He knows who we really are, and by faith we know He accepts us and he receives us, and blessing and favor is not connected to me being always perfect, always getting it right. He is our Father, okay? But we can get rid of this fear, okay, with love. First John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love love. If I will let love govern my decision. We know we know that we walk around with all kinds of negative opinions about people. You know, uh, I called someone the other day at my mom's apartment, the manager, and I was frustrated about something, and I didn't back up and go, let love, let love govern this conversation with this lady. <coughs> Excuse me. I know for a fact that her husband is going through cancer treatment. If I would have backed up and let love govern the decision for how I was going to approach uh, a frustrating circumstance at my mom's apartment complex, um, it would have been a better conversation. What happened is I just flew off the handle. And here's the thing. I was probably right about what a, a lot of what I had to say, but I was so heated that she said, you know what, why don't you cool down and call me back a little while later? I was, I was like, back up, Mark. Hold on. Hold on. And I talked myself down, and I apologized to her. I didn't let love govern that decision. So if we'll let love govern our decisions, how we spend our day, if we'll let love—look, I love my family, therefore I'm going to exercise today. I, I, I love my family, therefore I'm going to eat right today. I, I love others, therefore I'm going to be generous toward others. If we'll let love govern, we'll make better decisions. But all that came from time of meditating on God's Word and solitude, just spending time without listening to any other voices other than God and maybe myself, okay, but not letting other people occupy real estate in my mind for a while. Uh, it really just brought a revelation that I want to keep going back to. Let love govern my decisions, whether they're micro or macro. A, a way that we, another thing that we can do to make better decisions day to day is feed our minds a steady diet of healthy content. You know, it's not enough just to get rid of the negative content. We got to feed ourselves the right thing. You know, when it comes to physical health, I know this. You know, I know 
that it's not just that I'm eating bad food that's not good for me. It's that I'm not putting the energy-producing food I need to put in my body. And I know that the times that I've been in the best shape of my life, uh, I'm I'm trying to get back on that track now, listen to the episode on discipline, um, is, you know, say that we're going to have steak tonight for dinner. Okay, well, the, the broccoli and the salad or the green beans, the healthy, green, nutritious stuff is going to occupy three quarters of my plate. And then I might have a little bit of, you know, a half a baked potato and a half a steak because I've got, there's not, you know, steak can be good for you, but, but I'm going to put, I'm going to fill my stomach with the good, healthy content. And so we need to be filling our mind with good, healthy content. You know, I was talking to my friend, uh, Andrew Gayfield yesterday, and uh, we were talking, I just asked him, you know, he's a supporter of Life on the Verge. This guy is, I think, in his early 30s, maybe his mid, but I think he's in his early 30s. And uh, he runs three different businesses. Man, he is obviously a good steward of his time. He runs an exterminating business. He runs a janitorial business uh, that employs dozens of people and just became basically the business leader behind a new venture in an automotive shop. That is so, so wild. Well, you know, I asked him, who does he listen to? What podcast? He sent me a list of at least a dozen, maybe 16 different podcasts that he listens to. He's constantly filling his mind with inspirational, motivational, good stuff that helps him make better decisions, micro and macro. So it's not just what we tune out, it's what we're tuning into. So let's talk a minute about those macro decisions, things like who will I marry? These are things that are going to impact our life in a major way. Should I buy this house? Is this the right career path? Should I take this job? Is it time to take this bold step and launch a business or a ministry endeavor? So I ask Andrew, I jokingly call him James all the time. James is his father. But nevertheless, I asked him, I said, so what's your decision-making process? And I'm not going to share his decision-making process because he, he was still trying to figure it out, but he knows there's a process there. But I was just kind of like running it through the filter of my thinking. And, uh, and here's what I came up with. When we're making those major macro decisions, we need to consider the people involved in this decision. And by that, I mean, who do I need to seek counsel from? Who does this decision impact and how? You know, maybe you've listened to my series, Living Life in Tune, where I talk about the, the six spheres of life, family, or faith, fitness, family, finance, friendships, and field of endeavor. Field of endeavor being our vocation, our work. You know, we, these are six different spheres of life that need attention. I use the guitar as an illustration and six strings on the guitar, and, you know, i got to pay attention. Is any of them going out of, out of tune? But here's the deal. That's not entirely accurate because on a guitar, all of those strings are, are pretty equal. But in life, those spheres are not equal. Some of them are more important than others. <coughs> uh, I recommended the book The One Thing by Gary Keller. And he says this. He says, imagine life is a game in which you are juggling five balls. The balls are called work, family, health, friends, and integrity. And you're keeping all of them in the air. But one day, you finally come to understand that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, it'll bounce back. 
The other four balls, family, health, friends, integrity, are made of glass. If you drop one of these, it will be irrevocably scuffed, nicked, and perhaps even shattered. So when we talk about you know, the people involved in our decision, I believe that our family, our relationships definitely are, are of vital, vital importance. We don't want to tarnish those. We don't want to break those glass balls, so to speak. When we talk about the people involved, we're also talking about the people that we may want to partner with, people that are, are part of who are, we, who are we coming together with when we make this macro decision. If we're going into business, you know, um, my pastor, uh, the church that we base out of, Stan Grant, he for a while kind of invited me, hey, why don't you come base out of our church? Why don't you come base out of our church well, when we launched Life on the Verge? He was asking me to kind of join with him. And I needed something called discernment, you know, and Webster defines that as to see uh, or understand the difference, to make a decision, to be able to discern between good and evil, truth and falsehood. Now, I didn't think there was any deception at all behind uh, Stan, who's been my dear friend for over 30 years. Um, I love that man with all my heart and he and his wife and the work that he has done and is doing. But I, did, I wanted to make sure I understood all the angles. And I said, Stan, I'm not coming to work for your church, okay? Uh, he knows my gift set, knows I've been on staff in churches for, for decades. And I'm like, I'm not coming to run any programs. We will base out of your church, and they would help us financially. And I brought that up. And he said, no, man, we want you on the road as much as you can be on the road. That's what I wanted to hear. So we need to use discernment when we're going to partner with people. If you're an employer and you're going to bring employees on, uh, we're looking at bringing some interns into what we're doing. We need discernment. That doesn't mean that the people that get involved have to be perfect, all right? Um, nobody's perfect. They can have flaws, but are, we need to ask questions like, are they competent? Do they have character? Not are they perfect, but do they have character, you know, uh, we have one young man that may get involved with us, and uh, this is an interesting story. I would never mention his name, but he's had some serious challenges in a certain area of life, and uh, he was forthright about that. He came to me and he said, he called me specifically, say, I want you to know this is something I've been struggling with for a long time, and I want you to know that up front. And and I just I was like, man, that's character. I didn't ask the question. He volunteered. Like, if I'm going to get involved, I want you to know who I really am. That was huge. So we need this thing called discernment when we're talking about getting involved with people. We're joining, taking a job, for example. Um, this person I'm going to go to work for. Or it can be the other way around, a customer that you're going to serve. You know, it's amazing. Now, if you have a woman in your life, Andrew and I were talking about this. I, I don't know. God must have given women an extra dose of discernment. Because there's been several times in our life and ministry that my wife has come to me about a person and said, you know what, I don't know what's up, but something's up. Her radar went off, like there was something that I wasn't seeing. And I'm just saying, and he, Andrew brought that up, like, what is it with women? So if you've got a woman in your life, you have an X factor, you know, to have somebody else, have that woman, have your wife take a look at, at what the decision you're about. You should be doing that anyway, to be praying together and talking together and be in unison on that decision anyway. But listen to her voice of discernment when it comes to the people you're going to be working with. And you need to also be aware 
of in-the-moment emotional distortion. If you're so passionate, you know, car sales is a great example. If you're so passionate and you let that salesman know, I want that car, I'll do anything to get that car, he's got the edge, my friend. You know, don't let your excitement about doing something. That's why we need other people, counselors, to help us see the blind spots and tell us sometimes the things we don't want to hear. So discernment is a vital, vital part of it. Another thing we need to look at when we're making these big macro decisions is the profitability. We need to consider the profitability of the decision, not just financially, but that's part of it, of course. Um, It can be a huge part of it. Uh, But, you know, we need to ask questions like, you know, who will this benefit in the long run and how will this benefit them? You know, uh, how will this benefit me? There's nothing wrong with it looking at that angle. How will it benefit my family? What does the profitability of this look like? You know, uh, maybe uh, actually a third thing that we can talk about, consideration, is the projection or the potential trajectory of the decision. Business people say, is it scalable? And when someone says that, what they mean is uh, will it is it does it have the ability to is, is expand or shrink to meet different requirements like greater demand or reduced demand or sudden power outages or other types of output problems or time to market return on invest, investment you know what's the potential shelf life of this idea this decision this business that I'm going to launch how am I going to grow this thing uh, how might technology impact this idea. Looking forward and going, okay, what technology is about to come out that might immediately, you know, put me out of business? And now we have an X factor called the Holy Spirit. If we've made the best decision, the greatest decision we can ever make, and that is to follow Christ, then we have the mind of Christ. We have revelation that can protect us. It can lead us and help us see a little bit into the future. It can give us ideas. We still need to do our work to make the best decisions that we can make, knowing that uncertainty is always part of that equation. But if we will do things like even in these macro decisions, let love govern, we'll do our homework, we'll talk to the people we need to talk to, we'll pray to God for discernment about who we're going to get involved with. Uh, If we'll do that, if we'll examine the profitability, is this thing, does it have the potential for profit? You know, is is it going to, you know, bring more impact, influence, or even money, which can lead to impact and influence uh, into what I'm trying to do, into my goals. Um, You know, if if we've done our homework, then we can say, God, okay, I've did everything I know to do. Give me wisdom. Help me to see what I need. Give me ideas. Help me see. And, you know, the Lord has rescued me a few times. Even after I've done all this homework, (coughs) He, excuse me, he's uh, rescued me honestly, sometimes through a dream, really only one time, um, but he's rescued me through just a, just a, the peace being, you know, lifted from my spirit. I didn't have peace about it. He's given us ideas. You know, uh, when we look at Life on the Verge and the Good Infection Project, which now sends out, you know, DVDs and books to prisons every quarter, uh, we, you know, he gave us that idea three days after all the prisons locked down and we couldn't do what we normally do. He showed us another way to do it. And that's launched a whole new ministry, a whole new dimension of our ministry that as I look long-term down the road, you know, as I look at the scalability of Life on the Verge, I go, you know what, even if prisons get shut down, we've got another angle. Even if I, you know, we can't travel 
vehicle. We, I can't lift gear. I can't do it physically down the road. This is something that we can do you know, forevermore. And I know that DVDs eventually, they're still being used in prison, uh, but more and more prisons are, you know, inmates are getting tablets, secure tablets, and they're able to access certain digital content, can, content. So I'm looking at, okay, how do we get it into these devices and that kind of thing. So the Holy Spirit can give us insight and ideas if we've made the greatest decision, and that is to follow Christ. Now, I hope in this podcast, I've said something that helps you make better decisions. Um, I'm, it's, it's a fluid thing. We're always growing. We're always learning. Sometimes we learn through failure, making bad decisions. But as we grow, we want to continue to make better decisions. And, uh, you know, the best decision, of course, is to follow Jesus. And I think the most important thing maybe that I said on this podcast is let love govern your decisions. You know, the word says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the greatest commandment. Everything hangs on those two commandments, Jesus said. And uh, there's three people groups involved there, my friend. There is God, or three entities, I should say. There is God. We need to love God. We need to love our neighbor and, you know, Jesus illustrated that with the story of the Good Samaritan, people that are completely different than us. They may have a different political persuasion, be a different race, whatever. We're to love them as we love ourselves. And then the third entity there is yourself. We have to have a love for ourselves. Now, I don't, want to, I don't mean be narcissistic, but we've got to value us, ourselves, because God placed such great value on us when he sent Jesus to the cross for us. And so I hope that you let gov- try to do what's best for the kingdom of God, what's best for other people, and what's best for you. Let love govern. Hey, I hope that helps. Something good came out of it. Uh, I'm going to try to get some rest today and look forward to seeing some more pictures of my grandson. And uh, we'll be back at you with a new series next week, Lord willing. Thank all of you so much that support Life on the Verge. Uh, You know, we're kind of in our our off season where we're getting ready for the season. We're in deep training, putting gear together, getting things repaired. It's all that tedious work, the administrative work. So we appreciate your words of encouragement and your gifts of support, even while we're doing that and we're not sending out fresh reports of what we're doing in prison. uh, We're getting set, and we would pray that as we head toward the end of the year that you would consider uh, helping us continue to get out there and demonstrate the value that God has for the least of these. Uh, We teach them the same kind of lessons that you hear on these podcasts. We try to give them not just uh, biblical doctrine, but practical insight into how to apply biblical doctrine to their lives. So again, thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.